here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Okay, let's deal with the stupid stuff first. This Amarosa would be a nobody, and she is a nobody, but for the media. She made these tape recordings, we don't know how many there are. Some in the White House. In the White House. Maybe some in the Oval Office. Definitely in the Situation Room when she was being fired. Um, and I don't know if any of these tapes contain confidential or classified information. But the fact of the matter is, nobody should be free to go into the West Wing of the White House and tape the President or tape individuals who are working for the president, or even by phone. Otherwise, how is a president supposed to even be able to function? How is the Article II branch of our government, the executive branch, even supposed to function? When people are bringing in these handheld devices, secreting them, and then recording people. Now, a lot of people are blaming the president for hiring her. You know, a president hires over 3,000 political appointees in his administration. He can't be responsible for all of them. Now, maybe people will say, but in this case, he may have hired her specifically. Well, that's fine. But the fact is, there's a security breach here. There's a security breach here. I'd like to know who's responsible, in addition to Amorosa. How do people walk into a room with an iPhone or Android or whatever they're using to record and not get caught? Uh, now, the Samarosa is doing the equivalent of political blackmail. And the media love it. The media keep promoting it. Now, on the one hand, this is their game. They promote her. They promote her lies, and I'll explain that in a moment. But we're not spending all day on her, I can tell you that. And then they pull back and they say, well, why would you do this? In other words, they give her the airtime, the way they gave Comey the airtime and this Michael Wolf the airtime and the kook professor from Yale the airtime. They give them all airtime, the uh, lawyer to Stormy Daniels, Stormy Daniels, give them all tons and tons of airtime. And then they pull back and they say, what, what, why are people attacking us? You're attacking us. You're attacking freedom of the press. No, we're attacking you idiots. You left-wing ideologue slobs and hacks and thugs in the media. We're not attacking the First Amendment. We're attacking you. You don't represent freedom of speech just because you have freedom of speech any more than some carnival barker on the corner does or some homeless guy standing in a box screaming at the top of his lungs you don't represent freedom of the press just because you're in the press you're not defending anything nobody's attacking the first amendment you undermine your own professionalism because you don't have any 
There, meet the depressed. Chuck Todd, he's thrilled. He got an exclusive. He's the first one that I'm a Rosa. Her book comes out on Tuesday. Sits there like a thug, like a boof, a buffoon. And she goes on and on and on. They know she's a clown. They know she's a liar. But it doesn't matter. They knew Stormy Daniels was a, was a, porno, a, a porn actress. It didn't matter. They'll take anybody. If it can hurt Trump, if they think it can hurt Trump. And yet everything she has said so far hasn't hurt Trump at all. Even the tape they played with General Kelly. It showed me Kelly was a consummate professional. He knew exactly what he's doing. He'd obviously talked to the lawyers in the, uh, in the Human Resources Department. And if anything, it's damning of Amarosa. Where he said, look, we got more crap we had to deal with with you. I'll put it in Mark language. People you abused, positions you abused, money you, you misspent, and so forth and so on. Just go quietly. Otherwise, we've got to bring all this stuff up, and it'll get ugly. That's what a boss says. Then she tried to go to him. Uh, did you talk to the president? What did the president say? This is a former four-star Marine general. And he says, all these people report to me. I'm responsible for them. Worry about what the president knows or doesn't know because she was taping. And even though Kelly didn't know she was taping, again, he conducted himself like a consummate professional. Now, person after person mentioned in her stupid book says she's a liar. Sean Spicer, George Conway, Frank Luntz, Michael Cohen and scores of, and I don't know about scores, many others. And yet the media keep pushing her. And then they, again, the, the tactic is to get her out there, get her to trash him, and then, uh, and then, and then, and then have second thoughts and, uh, oh, you know, maybe, you know, we're not saying she's right or anything. And the, the taping is a problem. Now, we need to know. If the taping violates any White House rules or any executive branch regulations. We need to know, because if she has committed a prosecutable offense, she needs to be prosecuted. And not just because what she's done to this White House. You cannot have people coming into a White House, working in a White House, and creating this kind of disruption. The presidency needs to function. That's part of the problem with Mueller. So Amarosa is a buffoon. She's a clown. She's a... A serial liar, according to these other people, who are mentioned in the book. She says, well, he was, he was trying to get a tanning machine in the White House. Nobody was trying to get a tanning machine in the White House. Well, uh, Sean Spicer is paid, you see, to be supporting the president. He says, I'm not paid to be supporting the president. Well, Frank Luntz knows that he used the N-word once in front of him or overheard it. And Luntz says, I don't know what she's talking about. Then NPR, of all places, catches her in a lie. Where first she said she never heard the, the, uh, the tape from The Apprentice in which she supposedly said the N-word. And then later she said she did. We had a caller here who worked on The Apprentice in the studio, on the crew, said he never heard Trump use words like that. And if he had, it would have been known immediately because there were minorities working on the crew. Black, Hispanic, you name it. And yet, 
What did the top of the network news talk about on my broadcast that I heard? Amoroso. What did the Today Show talk about? Amoroso. What did the Sunday Meet the Depress Show talk about? Interviewed Amoroso. CNN, Amoroso. And they're going to keep pushing it. They'll keep pushing it. And I think it'll backfire at some point. You can't keep bringing the lowest of the low on TV and then expect the people to respect you. She's the lowest of the low not because she was on The Apprentice, not because the president hired her, because of what she did in taping other people and putting together this book. Mr. Producer, I don't even know who the publisher is. You want to find out who the publisher is? I'd, I'd like to know who that is. All right. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, this is interesting. The publisher of Unhinged by Amorosa is Gallery Books, which is owned by Simon & Schuster. Simon & Schuster also owns the Threshold Edition, which publishes my books. But this is really quite shameful. It really is. But Mr. Producer's poking around on the Amazon top bestseller books list. She's number six. And he says, holy mackerel. Well, he doesn't use that. He uses a different word. Holy something else. Number five. Look at number five. I said, well, what's number five? Beating Amorosa. I said, well, what is it? He said, in fact, it's beating all nonfiction books. So, well, what is it? Dr. Michael Pillsbury's The 100-Year Marathon, China's secret strategy to replace America as the global superpower. I said, wait a minute. I had him on Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin at 10 p.m. on Fox. So his three-year-old book, he doesn't even have hardback and paperback, it looks, doesn't look like. His paperback shot from oblivion to number five on the bestseller list on Amazon. It is beating Amorosa's book, despite all the press she's getting from NBC and ABC and CBS and the Washington Post and the New York Times. Because I'll tell you why, a couple of reasons. He was spectacular on Sunday when we did the interview. And he raised issues new that are gravely worrisome and very important. And you folks are into that. You want to know what's going on in the world. So you have Amorosa, who is a clown gesture, a serial liar, a buffoon, embraced by the media, promoted by the media as yet another malcontent, yet another miscreant. That the media used to try and get Trump. And she knew it. That's why she cut her book deal, I suppose. And then you have beating her in front of her. An author who came on my little late night Sunday show at 10 p.m., which actually is a big blockbuster, ratings-wise. Thanks to you. A fabulous guest. Brilliant man. Very articulate. Dr. Michael Pillsbury, and his book is number five. People say, you know, the power of the Mark Levin show on TV and radio, that's not it. It's the power of the Mark Levin audience. It's the smartest audience of all audiences. I don't care what degrees you have or if you don't have any degrees educationally. 
you're engaged. So Pillsbury's book is beating everybody. Everybody. I mean, you got these the complete ketogenetic diet for beginners, the publication manual, crazy rich Asians. I'm reading other books. Uh, Girl, wash your face. You know, stuff like that. And then you have real books. A three-year-old book that's now number five on the Amazon list. Just, it, it's an incredible book. Now, just to show you what frauds are in the media, and I hope, Brian Stalter, you're listening. I know you're a stalker. As long as you're not uh, a pervert stalk, a, a, a perverse stalker. Um, this book shoots up in 24 hours to number five on the Amazon list. It's three years old. It talks about grave dangers that China creates for America, has tons of new information. He's talked to eight defectors. He's, the book had to be approved by the CIA. There's stuff in there that's never been revealed before. It's three years old. And this man has never had much time on CNN that I'm aware of or MSNBC that I'm aware of or Meet the Press or Face the Nation or uh, what, what's the other one? I don't even know. This Week with Doofus? None of them. He doesn't get the attention he needs, and he's writing about a dire threat that the United States faces in all levels and in all ways, and he gets no phony media attention. And then they jump up and down and say, we are the free press. You know, they almost act like um, oligarchs themselves, the media, don't they? We are the free press. We tell you what's true. We tell you who the liar is. We tell you what the news is. We are objective. You, Nazis, cultists, racists. We know what's right. Do not question us. Do not challenge us. Do not criticize us. Do not attack our profession. Do not attack our corporate masters. No, no, no. Then you're against the free press. No, I'm not. I'm actually. Yes, you are. Now, the rest of the Constitution, they cherry pick. Second Amendment. They hate. First Amendment, as long as it, it involves liberty, freedom of religion, they don't like that very much. I don't want to sell a cake to that guy. Well, you must. You sell that damn cake, and you do what we tell you to do. What about freedom of association? No. That doesn't. Uh, what do you think? It's a, uh, a pure view. You can't have a pure view of these things, except when it comes to us. Freedom of the press. We believe in freedom of the press, but we also want a professional media. And they do not have our respect because every day, rather than earn our respect, they earn our disgust. Hence, Amarosa. Hence, uh, Stormy Daniels. Hence, Stormy Daniels' lawyer. Hence, the nutty professor from Yale. Hence, 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 hence. Go on and on and on. So the media can manipulate what you hear and what you read uh, in the context of both giving you information that may not be accurate and withholding information that may be accurate. And I know they have to prioritize. They only have so much time, so much space. I got all that. But how do you promote Omarosa and ignore Dr. Michael Pillsbury? You don't, unless you're a joke. And that's the problem. 
That's the problem. And we have media now organizing a campaign against the president. We'll discuss this after the bottom of the hour. There's so much to get into. I mean, I gotta, I've said many, many times, I uh, may have to do a Jerry Lewis-type uh, uh, radiothon from time to time. It's just it's, it's, three hours is not enough. It's just not enough. But we now have a cabal of editorial boards that write, you know, the editorials for their various newspapers that nobody reads. Uh, We have a cabal of editorial boards that are getting together. Collusion, you might call it. Colluding against the president because they say he's anti-press. He's anti-press. He doesn't believe in a free press. What has he done to the free press? Well, he talks like Stalin. Yeah, but Obama acted like Stalin. He sicked our federal police on our free press. Wow. That's different. Well, what do you mean? It is different. Obama actually was Stalinist. Obama was Stalinist. Trump hasn't done anything. I want to get into this when we return. Mark Levin, simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him, 877-381-3811. All right, let's get to this this collusion, this cabal of uh, left-wing editorial pages, most of which are filled with Democrats. You know, I wonder where the New York Times comes down on attacking Trump with their new editorial page writer. The bigot, the racist, you know, I forget her name. Zhang is her name, Susan Zhang, something of that sort. And so while we don't care what these editorial pages do, because most of them are liberal anyway, or kookier than that, uh, it uh, underscores a point that we've been talking about here often and always. Let's see how Brian Stelter at CNN reports this. Brian Stelter, you know who he is. He's the little dwarf. Uh, who has a weekend show that nobody watches, and but for me mentioning it, you wouldn't even know it exists. In fact, you wouldn't know he exists. Much like Don Lemon at night. Don Lemon at night. Ask a thousand Americans who Don Lemon is, and a thousand and one won't know who the hell he is. You get my point. And I'm a little angry with the president, quite frankly. I've said for a long time now that Don Lemon is low IQ. Don Lemon thinks that's a racist attack. It's not. Because I've said a thousand times that Brian Stelter is low IQ and probably lower IQ than Don Lemon. But we're really talking about low numbers at this point. Negative numbers. Um... More than 100 newspapers will publish editorials decrying Trump's anti-press rhetoric. This is how Brian Stelter reports at CNN, the constipated news network, with no ratings. The dirty war on the free press must end. That's the idea behind an unusual editorial writing initiative that has enlisted scores of newspapers across the country. The Boston Globe, now that's pretty funny, the Boston Globe, uh, left-wing radical kook, Newspaper, editorial board, kooks. I don't know if they're still owned by the New York Times Company or not. But Kennedy's sycophants. 
The Boston Globe has been contacting newspaper editorial boards and proposing a coordinated response to President Trump's escalating enemy of the people rhetoric. And I'm sure they did the same against Obama when they learned that Obama was spying on AP and spying on uh, James Rosen of the Fox News Channel. I'm sure they were, and I'm sure they they all got together when uh, the libs go after a conservative talk radio or the Fox News Channel. I'm sure, being the great defenders of liberty that they are. We propose to publish an editorial on August 16th on the dangers of the administration's assault on the press and ask others to commit to publishing their own editorials on the same date, the Globe said in its pitch to fellow papers. See, it's always about them. It's always about them. They're reporting on themselves. They're writing about themselves. They're editorializing about themselves. They're victims, don't you know? They can't say what they want to say. They can't write what they... Oh, they can. Sure. I wonder what they would have thought of John Adams back in the day. John Adams and the Alien and Sedition Act. The Sedition Act, of course, applying to newspapers and others that would speak out against the government in a way that that the uh, Federalists at the time thought might... Uh, undermine the budding government, the new country. We've talked about this. Thomas Jefferson and his new party ran against John Adams for, among other reasons, arguing the repeal of the Alien and Sedition Acts. They hate Jefferson, though. They hate Jefferson. They do plays on Hamilton. They hate Jefferson because Jefferson was an agrarian, because Jefferson was a a states' rights guy. So they hate Jefferson. Uh, But anyway, let us continue. As of Saturday, we have more than 100 publications signed up, and I expect that number to grow in the coming days, Marjorie Pritchard, the Globe's deputy editorial page editor, told CNN. Well, that's like, you know, Lenin talking to Trotsky. The American Society of News Editors, the New England Newspaper and Press Association and other organizations have helped her spread the word. Well, I'll be damned. The response has been overwhelming, she said. We have some big newspapers, but the majority are from smaller markets, all enthusiastic about standing up to Trump's assault on journalism. What a bunch of quacks. Assault on journalism. More big mouth drama queens in journalism than ever before. More unprofessional, historically illiterate mouthpieces, Democrats, progressives, call them what you want, in the media than ever before. The media has never sunk so low. They used to have a period of yellow journalism. This is the new period of yellow journalism. More like pink journalism. Instead of printing the exact same message, each publication will write its own editorial, Pritchard said. Well, why bother? Just write one and spread the word. That was a key part of her pitch. Quote, the impact of Trump's assault on journalism looks different in Boise than it does in Boston, she wrote. Well, she would know, being in Boise as often as she is. Our words will differ, but at least we can agree that such attacks are alarming. Sick. Journalists have noticed, now this is a stelter, an uptick in Trump's attacks against the news media in recent weeks. He's been using dehumanizing language like enemy of the people more often. Well, you know, Bill Maher stole a line from me, or his 400 comic writers did. Remember that, Mr. Producer? I've been calling the left the enema of the state for 15 years. 
Bill Maher just figured that out two weeks ago. He probably needed an enema. He said, wait, I got a joke. Anyway, uh, enema of the state is what I've been calling the left all the time. So we will not call the media the enemy of the people. We will call the media the enema of the people. And if Bill Maher steals it again, we'll call him out again. He's been using these dehumanizing language like enemy of the people more often. He has also been speaking to reporters less often, limiting the chances for questions to be asked. Yeah, that's the problem. Trump doesn't talk enough to the American people through his tweets or through his spokespeople or even at these various events where he speaks. They're trying to trip him up because they know there's a criminal investigation going up, uh, going on, and they want Trump to say something that then Mueller can say, see that? See that? We got him. See that? So he's being mindful of that. Notice the media, the enema of the state, are not complaining about any of the behavior of Mr. Mueller, of the Clinton campaign, of the DNC, none of it with respect to the dossier. As a matter of fact, how many stories... Have CNN and MSNBC and CBS and ABC and, uh, you know, the rest of them. How, how many stories have they broken on the dossier? Or the involvement of the Clinton campaign in the DNC? Or the FISA court? Or Mr. Stroke? Or Ms. Page? Or Mr. McCabe? Or Mr. Comey? How many stories have they broken? Very few. And less and less and less. Right? As time goes on. All right, Stelter is like the biggest enema of the state, as far as I'm concerned. With Trump's words and did not you, Don Lemon, you're an enema of the state, but he's a bigger enema of the state. All right, does that make you happy? Probably does. With Trump's words and deeds as the backdrop, some media critics have urged the White House press corps to engage in acts of solidarity. You already are, you clowns. You're all leftists. You are. Amarosa, all right, she moves from uh, uh, NBC uh, to this network, to that network, uh, Stormy Daniels. By the way, aren't these so-called journalistic outlets exploiting women? Have you noticed? They're exploiting Amarosa and her defects. They've exploited Stormy Daniels and her defects. They're exploiting these women. Maxine Waters, she's out there yapping away. They exploit her. I mean... The media are exploiting these women, as far as I'm concerned. The coordinated editorials may be another example of unity across the news business. Yes, that and ideology. Although there's a long-standing debate about the effectiveness of newspaper editorials, well, for a lot of us, it's hard to tell, Stelter, what an editorial on a news page is. There is certainly strength in numbers. The greater the number of participants, the more readers will see the message. Well, not on CNN. Nobody watches CNN, you clown. Pritchard said she expects differing views from the editorials, but the same sentiment. The importance of a free and independent press. I believe in a free and independent press. You and the media believe that you should be free to be a cabal and use the press to sabotage a presidency. There is a difference, you know, a big difference. And you reveal yourselves, you're so buffoonish. The editorial pages are going to get together, ladies and gentlemen. Not use the same exact words, but the same sentiment. 
Now, keep in mind, these are all businesses. Some of them are own these papers by major corporations. They all get together to write editorials, and they talk about freedom of the press. When they're all saying the same thing. It's like Russia TV. Why do we need... There's a fair question. Why do we need CNN and MSNBC if they're going to say the same thing? Why do we need the Washington Post and the New York Times if they're going to say the same thing? I'm not saying the government should intervene. I'm a consumer. You and I, we're consumers. We get to decide what we're going to read and, or, or, or listen to. But why do you need a multiplicity of newspapers if the vast majority of them say the same thing? Why do you need a multiplicity of cable channels if the vast majority of them say the same thing? You really don't. And then on top of that, you have these government outlets like NPR and PBS, which, of course, you can never get rid of because without them, we wouldn't have a free press, I guess. Now, the irony there is, of course, the government, as well as your charity, pays for it. I'll be right back. Mark in. Hold on to Raphael. I want to get to him in a second. 99% of all office chairs are one-size-fits-all. And as a result, your chair is not properly suited to your particular body size, shape, and comfort level. That's why you need the X-Chair. X-Chair's patented DVL, Dynamic Variable Lumbar Support, offers unparalleled support and comfort for your lower back, like mine. You'll feel the difference the moment you sit down. The DVL fits your back like a glove and moves with you throughout the day. You have to feel it, actually, to believe it. Now, if you're a business owner, I strongly suggest giving X chairs to your entire staff. Just wait until you see how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they become. It is a smart investment. Over 96% of people who buy an X chair sight unseen absolutely fall in love with it. Over 96%. Now, if that doesn't tell you that there's something special about this chair, nothing does. Now, here's a special deal just for you, my listeners. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, get $100 off. That's xchair.com, or give them a call, 1-844-4-X-CHAIR, 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. Now, X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. So go to xchair.com now. And by the way, if you use code Levin Footrest, that's Levin Footrest, you'll get a free footrest with your chair. That's xchair.com, xchair.com, code Levin Footrest. You're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. Raphael, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. How are you, Mark? Very well, thank you. I was just listening to your program, and uh, like I told you, call screener, I'm on the editorial board for a newspaper based out of Brooklyn, and we were contacted by that newspaper to see if we would join their cabal, as you called it, and we made the decision that as as a matter of principle, we would, in fact, editorialize quite the contrary. We, really? we plan on editorializing how we support the president, and we think that the media's efforts to undermine him are counterproductive, to say the least. Well, I like that. Are you allowed to tell me the media outlet or no? You don't have to. I, yeah, absolutely. 
It's the it's called the Jewish Press. Ah, we love the Jewish Press. Well, let me Are say we? this. All conservative or right of center or center publications out there. Why don't you write an editorial about how lousy the press has become and how idiotic this argument is that the press is somehow the president is threatening the First Amendment? Raphael, let me ask you a question. Are you still there, my friend? I am. If the president were actually threatening the existence of the free press, why don't they sue him? I mean, if if a president is actually violating the Constitution, if he's actually violating the Bill of Rights, if he's actually violating the freedom of the press, and they have concrete examples and therefore have standing to bring a federal lawsuit, where's the federal lawsuit? I couldn't agree more. They just don't like it when he calls them out. He's calling them out. He's not calling the First Amendment out. He's not calling out freedom of the press. They use this as propaganda. They use this to camouflage their ideology. Do they not? Absolutely. And All I right, I just wrote your editorial. Did you notice? I do hope other newspapers follow our lead. I hope so, too. I'm sure the Weekly Standard's going to do that. All right, my friend. <laughs> Thank you for your call. <laughs> Isn't that Bill Crystal's magazine? Yes. Well, maybe the Washington Times, the Washington Examiner, some real newspapers, maybe our friends at National... No, forget that. They won't. Maybe maybe, maybe Investor's Business Daily editorial page. You know, some of these newspapers and magazines out there, maybe they'll do some editorials about freedom of the press and the nature of the press today. What do you say? That's a good idea. I think I came up with a good idea. Don't you, Mr. Producer? Well, yes, I did. All right, let's continue. Phyllis, Paducah, Kentucky, the great WVLK. Go. Hi, Mark. First-time caller. Been trying to talk to you for weeks. Thank uh, you. Amorosa, another news, just to distract the president. They can't wow. leave him alone and let him do what he needs to do for the country. And to me, he doesn't even need to respond to it. But what, what kind of news is it? Pardon? What kind of news are we really getting when they're promoting her? news and so they tell you you're attacking freedom of the press are they not the most unprofessional gaggle of buffoons you've ever seen they don't report on the things that need to be reported on now i'm with you they don't i'm with you nope they don't blowing up amorosa a reality tv star we all know it well they'll say so is trump but you know what trump went through the ringer none of these reporters did. i think we have reality media now what do you but think of that? He has no integrity. None. You're and by the way, she was taping. So you know what? That really does uh, justify her firing. I mean, they, General Kelly and the others were right to get rid of her. She was a, uh, you know, a nut. Well, there we have it. She, she is a nut. Big by the way, by the way, Phyllis, I feel sorry for you. I feel very sorry for you and your fellow citizens. You know why, Phyllis? Why is that? The great people of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and it is a Commonwealth, you know. Uh, your senior senator, I'm sorry. Yep. Mitch McConnell, yes. You oh, know, my gosh. You know, like Bob Bird, he names every highway. Have you noticed the Mitch McConnell this and the Mitch McConnell that? Have you driven around the state lately? Yes. 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 The Mitch McConnell Rest Center. You ever seen one of those? Mm-hmm. On the highway? Yes. It's like, you know, 
I have to, you know, go to the restroom. I, and when I think of that, I got to go to the Mitch McConnell Rest Center. You, you understand my point? <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure, Mark. All right, Phyllis. God bless. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Yes, I know Peter Stroke was fired today. We'll get into that. But if I started with that, you already know that. I'm the cleanup hitter. I don't just repeat what the number one, two, three batters have to say. No. Now, they're very good. Uh, but I, I, I have to do my own thing, you know. Anyway, you want to hear about the Manafort trial today a little bit? Yes, I thought so. Well, it got underway around uh, 1.30, 1.45 today. And this is as reported by, uh, I think it's Reuters. Paul Manafort's trial resumed shortly after 1.15 today, Eastern, with Judge T.S. Ellis III saying the jury would hear from one of the last prosecution witnesses before he addressed motions from both sides. One of those motions includes a sealed filing Manafort's defense submitted today. Prosecutor Greg Andres you remember, he's the one who was crying, said the government has responded under seal. There was no indication in open court about the content of the motions. After a brief sidebar, Jim Brennan, an employee of the Federal Savings Bank, took the stand. Brennan, who received immunity for his... Lots of people getting immunity here. What would you like me to sing? You get immunity. Any Broadway songs you would like? Yes. How about Hello, Dolly? Kind of the same thing. He's a vice president with the bank from which prosecutors say Manafort fraudulently secured $16 million in loans. Why do they need to give anybody immunity in this case? Seriously. Why give anybody immunity? Uh, why pick Manafort as the target? Why not pick the vice president of this bank? Well, we know the answers to these things. Jim Brennan, this vice president for Federal Savings Bank who got immunity... And by the way, if I were defense counsel, I would add up the number of witnesses who either got immunity or pled to lower included offenses. And I would give that information, and I have a whole chart of it for the jury. See this guy testified? He got immunity. See this guy testified? He got immunity. See Gates here? He was up for uh, 29 years in prison. He may get parole. Uh, Excuse me. Look at this one here. Probation, that is. Look at this one here and just go through the list. That's their case. It's a manufactured case. I'm just saying if I were defense counsel. So this vice president, Jim Brennan, Federal Savings Bank, testified this afternoon that a statement the bank got from Paul Manafort in August 2016 claiming $4.4 million in income the previous year was inconsistent with other records. Several witnesses have testified that the firm actually made less than $400,000 in 2015. Ex-Manafort employee Rick Gates testified that he sent the authentic profit and loss statement to his boss as a Word document so it could be doctored. 
Such inconsistency, quote, would go to the character of the borrow, which should mean that we would raise a red flag, unquote, Brennan said, the guy who got immunity. You want to know who you're lending to and that the information they give you, you can rely on, said the guy who got immunity. On Friday, while questioning a former employee, defense attorneys suggested that Manafort put up enough collateral through real estate to guarantee the $16 million lent by the bank. Prosecutor Greg Andres, the guy who cried, tried to undercut the idea Monday, asking Brennan whether the Federal Savings Bank generally relies on real estate sales for repayment for loans. No, said Brennan, the guy who got immunity. We're not in the business to own real estate, he testified. We're in the business to get repaid. Brennan, who still works at the bank the guy who got immunity, is the secretary for the credit committee that approves loans. He's testifying under an immunity order. Did I mention he got immunity? Which he said means I cannot be prosecuted unless I commit perjury. But you got immunity to avoid prosecution, pal. 2.30 p.m. John Brennan, vice president of Federal Savings and Bank, who got immunity, also testified today that Paul Manafort didn't declare on his financial applications that he had mortgages on two properties in New York, information that would have made it harder for him to secure a loan. Manafort was approved for one loan with Federal Savings Bank, but rejected it at the signing table, Brennan testified. Manafort laid out new terms for the loan. The president of the bank, Javier Ubari, rejected the new proposed loan structure, but the loan closed anyway, Brennan said. It closed because Mr. Koch wanted it to close. That's the CEO of the Federal Savings Bank. But the prosecutors have it all figured out, you see, because Koch apparently wanted a cabinet-level position. So it was quid pro quo, don't you know? An email between bank employees presented Monday showed financial details Manafort provided to the bank were red flags and inconsistent, Brennan said. Manafort, I have a question. Just think about this logically. If it's the CEO who approved the loan because he wanted a job in the Trump administration, which he didn't get, then why give immunity to the vice president? Why would you give immunity to the vice president? Right? If it's the CEO that, uh, that cut the deal. Manafort later told bank officials he let his friend borrow the credit card to purchase season tickets with the New York Yankees and had not yet been paid back. Manafort later indicated the friend was his business partner, Rick Gates. But on Friday, a Yankees executive said Gates had never purchased season tickets with the team. Wow. Well, I think that's a life sentence right there. Let's hear some more, shall we? Defense attorneys for Manafort are again trying to argue that their client either wasn't the one who filled out documents inaccurately when applying for loans or else did not know he had done anything wrong. Asking about a profit and loss statement showing Manafort's firm made $4.4 million in 2015, Richard Wessling asked Federal Savings Bank Vice President Jim Brennan, if any one person must prepare such documents or whether there's anything wrong with updating such statements as necessary. Brennan agreed that anyone at the company could update such documents if needed, but multiple witnesses have testified that Manafort's firm made less than 400000 in 2015 and that there was no reason to believe more money would be coming in when that document was sent to Federal Savings Bank in 2016. Westling went on to suggest that the loan was hardly a favorable one given that Manafort put up two properties as collateral, I've put up properties for loans. I don't have a lot of loans. You put up collateral. I don't even know why. The, again, I'm not the same situation, but people put up property for loans. 
I mean, you got to show them your income. You've got to show them a number of things. Depends on the situation, but that isn't a prima facie case that you're, you're stealing from somebody. I'm just pointing it out. Wesling went on to suggest that the loan was hardly a favorable one, given that Manafort put up two properties as collateral, a $12 million house in the Hamptons and a $2.7 million condo in Alexandria, as well as a as $615,000 cash. The interest rate was 7.25%, and Manafort had to pay a $285,000 fee. Now, if this was for 2016, and you're paying 7.25%, that's pretty high, isn't it, Mr. Producer? 7.25%, you got two homes as collateral, that add up to almost $15 million, you put up $615,000 cash. It just doesn't sound like a gimme to me, folks. I'm not a juror. I haven't heard the whole matter. During cross-examination of Federal Savings Bank Vice President Jim Brennan, who got immunity. Okay. Defense attorney Richard Wessling raised the possibility that the bank may have been at fault for errors that affected Manafort's loans. The bank may have been at fault. Wessling pointed to an incorrect address Brennan had entered in one application and made mention of another error by another employee that made Mr. Manafort's income look better. Wessling also asked Brennan about a review of one Manafort loan conducted by a regulatory body called the Office of the Controller of the Currency. During a review of the bank's business, the bureau within the U.S. Department of Treasury had concerns about how the loan was analyzed, but didn't raise any red flags about information provided by Manafort. The point being, a federal agency already looked at this. Brennan testified that one of the loans received a rating of four, the lowest possible rating an application could get before it be rejected, could be ejected. Brennan said he would not have approved the loan and it would have gone on the bank's watch list, but he didn't have a choice to give the loan the bare minimum rating. When asked by the judge why he gave the loan a passing grade if he didn't deserve it, Brennan testified Cock had pushed it. Everybody has a fall guy in this. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? Nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. But the very, very interesting part comes next. I have to take a break. The judge again spars with the prosecution. This is very, very compelling. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let us continue with today's Manafort case, trial, Mueller's case, really. Late today, about 4.40 p.m. Eastern. Whether or not Paul Manafort's prosecutors are done with the case depends on how Judge T.S. Ellis III rules about whether an agent from the Treasury Department can retake the stand. Paula Liss already testified that Manafort did not report foreign bank accounts on his taxes. Prosecutors wanted to come back and say his consulting firm didn't either. Well, defense attorney Thomas Zenley said that in closing arguments, they do plan to say Manafort had no obligation to report foreign bank accounts in the years he only owned 50% of his of uh, of his firm, Davis Manafort International. It's very clear that if you do not own more than 50% of the entity, you do not have a responsibility, Zenley said. Manafort's wife owns the other half of the company, and they file joint tax returns. He's accused of failing to report the foreign bank accounts from 2011 to 2014 for one year charged. 2011, Manafort was the firm's sole owner. When Manafort filed as a foreign agent in 2017, Prosecutor Uzo Ozni noted he also described himself as owning 100% of the business. 
Judge Ellis pointed out that Davis Manafort Partners, later Davis Manafort International, was not accused. You could have indicted the company, but you didn't, he said. The assistant U.S. attorney, Azane, said that was true, but it was the defense that was now making the argument that this was a corporate responsibility. Ellis took a short recess to decide the issue, predicting neither side would like his ruling. Well, they came back at 5 p.m. Eastern tonight. Judge T.S. Ellis III allowed prosecutors to call back Paula Liss, a special agent with the Treasury Department's Financial Enforcement Network. Special counsel confirmed that she would be their last witness. Prosecutors intend to ask her if Manafort's consulting firm ever reported foreign bank accounts. Ellis said he would instruct the jury that they cannot find Manafort guilty for his company's failures, but they can use the evidence to decide his willfulness in not reporting 32 overseas accounts on his personal tax returns. After Liss answers three questions from prosecutors and any cross-examination from the defense, Ellis said he will hear motions to acquit. That, by the way, is normal procedure. The special counsel's office, after a few minutes with that witness, called its final witness. And uh, let's see. The special counsel's last witness, this Paula Liss, uh, who works for Treasury, had testified early in the trial but was called back, as we pointed out. Liss left the stand after five questions. Your Honor, the government rests, Prosecutor Greg Andrus said. Afterward, defense attorneys in a procedural hearing asked that the charges against Manafort be dismissed, saying the evidence lacks materiality and a failure to show the necessary willfulness. Judge Ellis sealed the courtroom without ruling on the defense's motion for acquittal or asking whether Manafort will present any evidence. What we do will not be permanently sealed, he told media and onlookers gathered in the courtroom. When the case is over, the seal will be lifted. Lead defense attorney Kevin Downing asked to have until tomorrow morning to put together his motion for acquittal. And Judge Ellis agreed. That's where we are today on the Manafort case. So what will happen is the, the judge will deal with motions unless he quits right there and then. Uh, it'll be the defense turn, as we say, to put on their case. All you've heard so far is the prosecution and cross-examination. You've not heard anything really in terms of the uh, defense counsel's case, so we'll see how that goes. Now, what is missing from this trial? Anybody? Collusion? Conspiracy to defraud in an election? That's a clever one. Um, not too many Russians in this trial that I can think of. I thought Manafort was the gateway to Trump. Well, they want him to be. They just want him to say something, anything, to take down Trump. Anything. Um, but uh, so far, nothing. Now, on that front, the Mueller front, and I should say upfront to the Constitution. Rudy Giuliani was on Fox and Friends this morning. And he had an interesting tidbit here. Cut one, go. Should be a big week. Should be. I hope so. I think this is a good week, I think. All right. Really? For what? I think, I think he'll give us a decision this week on our counterproposal. It's, we're coming down to his looking really bad by interfering in the election. And I think he's got to get it over with by the, by the beginning or early September. Well, I, I hope so, but that's not necessarily the case at all. 
Mueller doesn't play by the rules, neither does Rosensteinstein. So uh, we shall see. And it's quite possible that a subpoena will issue, uh, that Mueller will get a subpoena from a, from a judge, or, or uh, who knows. And, um, and then we're off to the races, into the courts. It's quite possible that Mueller will push this. You know, I've said it before, but when I was on with uh, Hannity last week, I said that Robert Mueller is a greater danger to this country than Vladimir Putin when it comes to the campaign and comes to the Constitution and so forth. And so basically they cut it off that I said, uh, all the media, that Mueller is a greater danger to the country than Vladimir Putin. Now, I'm no fan of Vladimir Putin, as all of you know. I've never been a code pink Republican. But in terms of our constitutional order, forget about the military. In terms of our constitutional order, Vladimir Putin doesn't present any threat. He can't. What's he going to do? Again, forget about the military side of this. Yet Robert Mueller is prepared to take a shredding machine to our Constitution, just as Rosenstein has, just as these FBI guys like Stroke did. We'll get to him. There's nothing new to report on him, but we'll get to him. This is important to remember. The president has an obligation to over 60 million people who voted for him, for our electoral process, our Constitution, separation of powers, and the office of the presidency to fight Mueller, to fight him. Now, I understand the Praetorian Guard media, which pretends it's under attack, that is the free press, has this all twisted in a knot, has it all turned upside down. The media in Wonderland has done that. That it's the president threatening the Constitution. He's not threatening the Constitution in the least. They want to overturn an election. They want to remove him from office. They want to disenfranchise over 60 million people. Uh, And they do not want uh, anyone to get in the way of their agenda. The president has a responsibility to fight that, to fight them, and to fight efforts through one unelected, unaccountable prosecutor to reverse the Constitution, the election by violating the Constitution. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? How about an organization that scripted portion of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of the so-called Affordable Care Act, Obamacare? Or an organization that stood against tax cuts for middle-class Americans and small business owners? Would you join an organization like that? No. Then don't join the AARP. Matter of fact, if you're a member, get out of it. Join AMAC the conservative alternative instead. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit the AARP offers, but without the liberal agenda. 
You can become an AMAC member right now at amac.us, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values, like protecting our borders by enforcing common sense immigration laws, supporting small business, standing up for your individual God-given freedoms? AMAC is the way to go. Now, there's a ton of work to be done, and AMAC is asking that you help them fight the good fight by becoming a member today. The benefits and discounts, by the way, are great. And the cause is great. It's even greater. Join right now at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC is better, better for you, and better for America. What a wonderful organization, the alternative to the AARP. And they have great discounts and benefits. So I hope you'll check them out. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Giuliani. On Fox and Friends, let's do this again. Cut one, please go. Should be a big week. Should be. I hope so. I think this is the week. I think. All right. Really? For what? I think. I think he'll give us a decision this week on our counterproposal. It's, we're coming down to his looking really bad by interfering in the election, and I think he's got to get it over with by the by the beginning or early September. But he's an arrogant guy, and I don't think he is concerned about any timetable, an election let alone the Constitution. Then there's this piece in the Wall Street Journal. President Trump's lawyers believe they can weather a negative report from special counsel Robert Mueller and are prepared to rebut the conclusions, Giuliani, one of Mr. Trump's attorneys, said in an interview. Mr. Giuliani said the president is open talking to Mr. Mueller under limited conditions. But in a new development, said Mr. Trump wouldn't sit for an interview after September 1 because that could interfere with the midterm elections. Last week, the president's lawyers sent Mr. Mueller a proposal indicating Mr. Trump would take questions about collusion with Russia in the 2016 elections, but not about obstruction of justice after he took office. Obstruction questions, as lawyers worry, could become a trap for perjury accusations. And not only that, it's a presidential prerogative for him to fire whomever he wants. And there should be no questions about that among the rest of it. I think we made the offer we can live with, Giuliani said. Mr. Mueller's office didn't comment. We certainly won't do an interview after September 1. You heard that. And uh, who knows what's going to take place. I know what should take place. They ought to duke it out with this guy. The Constitution's on the president's side. Whether the courts wind up there, I don't know. But the Constitution definitely is. And I've said many times, there's an opportunity to really lay open what Mueller has done, uh, the um, what they relied on, the... Uh, the actual collusion and conspiracies that took place. And I want Mr. Mueller to know something. I want Mr. Mueller to know something. I want his band of merry left-wing kook Democrats to know something, too. There was money paid. I know this. I know this. There was money paid. It was laundered through one to really three individuals or entities. That was used to coordinate with the Russians, Mr. Producer. Have I ever told you this? There was money paid by Hillary Clinton's campaign in the DNC. So while he's looking under rocks, I just want Mr. Mueller to know there was campaign money used to entice to involve Russians in our campaign. 
And it came from Hillary Clinton and the DNC, a.k.a. the Democrats with their Democrat law frame, their Democrat lawyer, this guy Elias, Diffusion GPS, to a foreign former spy, to Russians. I want him to know this because I know he's looking. He's, he's uh, questioning a madam in New York. He's questioning. He's had hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. I'm sure he's talked to Hillary Clinton about this. I'm sure he's talked to her campaign manager about this. I'm sure he's talked to the DNC and the former chairs of the DNC about this because Mueller wants to know who interfered in the election. And the Democrats want to know, too. They've lectured us over and over again about how bad it is for the Russians to interfere with our election, which I agree with, by the way. And so the evidence that's been revealed thus far, uh, not by Mr. Mueller and his happy band of left-wing kook Democrats, but no, by committees of Congress, by FOIA litigation and so forth, is that there was collusion and conspiracy by the Democrats with the Russians. Just pointing that out, it's true, you know. All right. By the way, you know, they... uh, There were more media types in Charlottesville covering this supposed protest by these white supremacist knuckleheads than there were white supremacists. Apparently there was like 20 of them or 25 or 21 or whatever the number is. Uh, And um, the Antifa Marxist left went nuts, started attacking the cops. But that later. Let's take some calls, shall we? Let us go to Dennis, Lakewood, California, 870 The Answer. Yes, Dennis. Mark, I listen to you all the time. It's like going to school, but I only learn 10 times faster. Well, thank you. So, I, have well, I, I may not have all the answers, but throw one out there. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you're like a, a golden needle in a haystack. So as far as these issues go... Can you explain immunity and what are the circumstances and how do they, who who decides who gets immunity? All right. Well, let me, let me cut to the chase. Well, the prosecutor can offer a subject before they become a target or when they become a target immunity or the subject and or target can request immunity in exchange for testimony. So, um, the prosecutor can lay out what information they believe they have on this person and then tell them what the sentence could be if they lose in court and how many years they might serve in prison. And then there can be a negotiation that takes place. Um, And uh, so it's really the prosecutor in the first instance uh, who can offer immunity or it can be the, the individual who is the target who can request immunity And then they sit down and they discuss, they work out an immunity deal. And under what circumstances might they get immunity? Uh, What kind of testimony that person thinks they can offer the prosecution? The prosecution can then go back and say, are you able to say this? Are you able to say that? Well, sure I can. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Do you know that firsthand? Well, of course I do. And you wouldn't be committing perjury? No, 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 no. Can you ask, do you know about this, this, and this perhaps? Well, yes, I do. Okay, you know, that sort of thing. And what are the stipulations, and when did that start? Well, the stipulations have to be written, and they have to be signed off on by both parties. It's started, I don't know, I don't know the date, but it's been going on for a long time. Okay. 
But what is interesting to me on this is how many people have gotten immunity or pled to something. It's a lot. And I got to believe the defense is going to do something to really hit home on that. A lot. Uh, any relation to the common person opposed to a political person? I mean, how? I don't know what that means. One has nothing to do with the other. Okay. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. It's obvious they wanted Manafort from the get-go. And they think the big fish they got with Manafort's uh, right-hand man, this guy Gates. But it turns out Gates is, is a really dirty fish. So we'll see. Ron, Grand Forks, North Dakota, the great WZFG, the flag. How are you? Mr. Levin, it's a pleasure to talk to you this evening, sir. Thank you. I have two quick comments. I know you're a busy guy. I just, I really want to tell I, you, I'm Mark, actually not going uh, anywhere. I'm sitting here. <laughs> Your Sunday show, I've watched it since day one. I love the format. The people, the Michael uh, Pillsbury's show last night was, I wish it was three hours long. So do I. And there's finally a show, Mark, that you ask a question and, and the person on the other side can listen to the facts and get an answer. And I just got to tell you, sir, I love your fight. I'm, I'm a, uh, one of these old guys from North Dakota. I'd rather fight than switch. That's and an old cigarette a, commercial. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you're a dying breed, sir, and I just I love what you do. I, uh, I well. listen to you as much as I possibly can. And uh, I just, uh, I've, uh, to be honest with you, Mark, I've been around some pretty smart people in my life, but you just blow me away sometimes with your quickness and your knowledge. And uh, well, I just Ron, think uh, you're doing a great job. You're very, very kind. I really, really appreciate it. And before I leave this earth, I want to visit North Dakota. I really do. Anyway, Ron, thank you for your call. You're very gracious, overly kind, actually, but I really appreciate it. Thank you. People will say to me, on radio, you sound like this. On TV, you sound like Look, they're different formats, and I'm trying to accomplish different things, but get to the same result and get, and get the, you know, information out there that I hope will inform people and strengthen the republic and strengthen our liberty. Now, I know, I don't care how many media formats I'm on, that you and I were only a small fraction of the, of the population out there, but that's all one person can do. And we've actually been talking in my family here. I do a three-hour radio show five days a week. I do the Fox show at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sundays. I do Levin TV three to four days a week. I get endless requests to go on different TV programs, which I do to some extent. And I love writing my books. But something has to give. I can't do all of it all the time. So we'll see. Down the road, we'll figure it out. All right. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The Communist Control Act. Let's drop that one. I'm not familiar with the Communist Control Act. <laughs> uh, inside story. I know you love freedom. Now, how do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same thing with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. They teach their stellar students to defend freedom. No matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever, Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called in Primus, as you know. 3.8 million Americans receive it for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, you should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. You receive it at your home or your business. You read it, then you pass it on to the next person, the next person. You pass it on to your kids. It's a way to help them explore liberty and defend it, and in cases where they've gone the wrong way, to bring them back. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend liberty and freedom that you love, and same with your family. It's very simple. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for hillsdale.com. All right. Let's see here. No, we're not going <laughs> to... Caller four, guys. Seriously? How about Raj in Vienna, Virginia, the great WMAL? Go. Thank you, Mark, for drawing attention to the diversionary tactics and everything else done by the wrong type of press reporting. You have correctly pointed out about the reporter attacked by Antifa in Charlottesville. NBC ignored its own reporter. But coming back to what I called about was how Keith Ellison, Keith Ellison, who's... All right, we'll get to Keith Ellison a little later. I haven't had time to get to that yet. So uh, let's put Raj back on hold. Uh, Keith Ellison is something I want to get to in the next hour, so we're not prepared for that right now, or I haven't laid the foundation for it. Now, cut 10, Mr. Producer. Uh, back to uh, Amorosa briefly. Angela Rye is a leftist, and she's also a CNN political commentator, a purported media type. And she doesn't even like Amoroso. Cut 10, go. What's frustrating to me is um, I find myself having to agree with the Trump administration on something. <laughs> and the one thing that I agree with them on in this case is that it is not just inappropriate, it is, it is certainly a national security breach and a challenge right. to be recording anything in this situation room. Yes. Um, I have a Homeland Security background, like you just know better. Um, and in this instance, you regularly right. finding yourself on the other side of the administration saying they don't know better. And for whatever reason, whether, whether it's lack of training or a lack of regard for the rules um, or regulations that exist, they don't know better. Um, but there still have to be um, repercussions for that. I think the other issue I have, frankly, is um, if Omarosa knew all of this when she went into the administration, which she did, um, then she should have never gone. Right. But that's no reason to uh, not keep putting her on TV and promoting her allegations. And then the same media outlets pretending that they have problems with her allegations. Why put her on at all? You know what? I know why. Mr. Producer, let's see if Amarosa will come on the show. Contact her PR person. Say, I want to interview her about her book. Book comes out Tuesday. Why not? Give it a try. 
I'm batting, what, zero for 500 when it comes to libs and people of that sort, but we'll give it a try. You never know. There could be one. Kenny, New Orleans, Louisiana, Mark Levin app, ML, go. Mark, to your knowledge, has any federal prosecutor ever served time in jail for prosecutorial misconduct like... Like that guy, Duke Lacrosse, didn't that prosecutor spend one day in jail for that unbelievable... Honestly, I haven't done a lick of, in, of investigation into this, but I, I believe some have, actually. Oh, but, well, that's great news. But, hey, but, but, hold on now. But they are very few and far between. You're exactly right. And what does that tell us? And some of them have lost their law degrees. And, uh, you know, they went after Ted Stevens, senator from Alaska. We've talked about that in the past, out of the public integrity, so-called division of the criminal division of the Justice Department. And they withheld exculpatory evidence. No penalty. Okay. Can I finish the story? I'm sorry. <laughs> and they withheld exculpatory evidence. And the judge eventually was made aware of this. Judge Emmett Sullivan has been around forever in the D.C. Uh, circuit but he's a district court judge and uh, they were punished one of the gentlemen committed suicide one of the prosecutors it was relatively young he was in his 40s and others uh, had their careers frankly rightly destroyed so there can be consequences yes well thank you mark and thanks for taking my phone call all right buddy you take care um but you got a guy like Weissman, Andrew Weissman, who is Mueller's right-hand man, who is a disgrace. He's been admonished by judges in the past. He's a big Hillary uh, seal clapper. And for Mueller to hire him just shows you what a clown Mueller is, how dangerous this man is to the Constitution and the Republic. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. FBI agent Peter Stroke was fired by the FBI over his bias, his anti-Trump texts. Uh, there's not a lot to say about this. We've talked about this clown for a long, long time. As far as I'm concerned, he's unpatriotic. He's un-American. He took a taxpayer's salary. He tried to use his position to steer an investigation away from Hillary Clinton and steer an investigation against Donald Trump. I can't think of a bigger abuse of power. I can't think of a bigger scoundrel. I don't know why it took so long to fire his ass. But he's not qualified to run the fryer at McDonald's. And he never should. Anyway, um, what else can I say about Peter Strzok? Now, what's relevant here, of course, is uh, when Mr. Mueller does whatever Mr. Mueller will do, well, it's very important for the Trump lawyers to bring this up, as well as the other numerous problems uh, in this investigation, and to lay it out, to duke it out. 
That's been my advice all along. And more and more I see my advice playing out, which is a good thing. I'm not a lawyer for the president. Duke it out on the constitutional side. Win, lose, or draw. He should win, the president, but you don't know. You can get these goofy liberal judges. Um, Duke it out on the facts. Facts are with the president. And uh, there'll be plenty more time to discuss this. But the president has to defend the Constitution. That's why he's not your typical citizen. He is one branch of the federal government. He has to defend his office and the Constitution and the prerogatives from a rogue prosecutor who is responsible to nobody. That's what he's got to do. So stroke is out. What else can I say? I know people want to do an entire hour on this. There's nothing else to say. But there are things to say about Keith Ellison. What? Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison likes to say that he's the first Muslim ever elected to the House. Okay, great. It's America. These things do happen. That's what we say all the time. Anyone can become anything. It's a great country. Keith Ellison had long, significant ties with Louis Farrakhan. He was given a pass by the DNC and the media. Uh, he was, he, I believe he, he was, I don't know if he still is, the number two at the Democrat National Committee and strongly endorsed by Bernie Sanders. Keith Ellison, in my view, has been an anti-Semite. Then he wants to get higher office. He pretends he's not, and he pretends he had no relationship with Farrakhan. Sure he did. And he has been the congressman in the 5th District of Minnesota. Uh, and he wants to be the next Attorney General of Minnesota. But he's got a little problem now. His ex-girlfriend of many years is accusing him of domestic abuse. This is how MPR News, Minnesota Public Radio, because there's just not enough radio in Minnesota, you know, Reports it. Keith Ellison, one of the leading candidates to be Minnesota's next attorney general, confronted allegations Sunday of domestic abuse of a former girlfriend that surfaced days before the election that will decide the party's nominee. The allegation that the physical abuse was caught on video was posted to Facebook late Saturday night by the woman's son, four days before Minnesota's primary election, where Ellison is facing off against four other Democrats for the open attorney general seat. In a written statement Sunday, Ellison denied the incident. He said he was in long-term relationship that ended in 2016, but he denied the allegation of abuse. What happened is the allegedly abused woman, where he, who had been in a relationship with him, as he says, for a long time, her son came forward on Facebook. Austin Monahan, he's 25, is very angry about what had happened to his mother. And now his mother has put out a statement confirming what the son says about long-term abuse by Ellison. But he says, I still deeply care for her well-being. This video does not exist because I never behaved in this way, and any characterization otherwise is false. Now, State Representative Deborah Hillstrom, who's also running for the Democratic nomination for Attorney General, recirculated the Facebook post and called on Ellison to answer the allegation. Hillstrom was later joined by Democratic candidates Matt Pelican and Tom Foley, who separately called for Ellison to address the allegation. 
In the post, Austin Monahan, 25, said that in 2017, he was going through his mother's computer when he saw a file that included a two-minute video showing Ellison in a physical alteration with his mother. The alleged video was not included in the Facebook post and has not been provided to NPR News. There are no police reports or court documents confirming the incident. Austin Monahan said he confronted Ellison by text message after he saw that video and said, I know what you did to my mama. Now, this is what's interesting about NPR News. What we've seen with hashtag, what is it, hashtag me too or something like that, Mr. Producer, is that you assume that the allegation is accurate and that you demand an investigation and you demand consequences. But here, NPR writes, well, there's no this, there's no this, we don't have evidence of this, they haven't turned over that. Okay, fine. Why are they treating Ellison differently than the others? Why? Because they want him to win, that's why. Karen Monahan, an organizer with the Sierra Club, was in a relationship with Ellison for years. The two are seen together in many of her social media posts, including hiking uh, together in national parks and posing with the Obamas at the White House. Records show she lived in his Minnesota home before the relationship ended. Ellison, who was previously married to a different woman, is divorced. In recent weeks, Karen Monahan has been active on social media talking about the Me Too movement, which encourages women to share their experiences of sexual harassment and assault and has also shown uh, public support for Hillstrom's campaign for attorney general. Until now, she hadn't named Ellison in the posts, but she had tagged him in many. More than 100 text and Twitter messages between Ellison and Karen Monahan, shared by Karen Monahan and reviewed by NPR News, show the two communicating after their breakup for months, coordinating her getting her things from his house. The tenor of the conversation at times was friendly, with the two acknowledging concern and care for one another, and other times more combative over the terms of their breakup and emotional pain Karen Monahan said he caused her. In one exchange, she tells Ellison she plans to write about their journey in a chapter in her book, and Ellison warns her not to. Horrible attack on my privacy, unreal, he wrote in one message. There's no evidence in the messages reviewed by NPR News of the alleged physical abuse in a screenshot of December 2017 text message, which was sent to NPR. You know, this is very interesting to me, how the left deals with stuff like this. Like I say, they want evidence? Well, there's a lot of cases where there aren't ev- there isn't evidence. Kim Ellison, who is Keith Ellison's ex-wife, came to the congressman's defense signing a statement that was emailed to reporters. We may be divorced, but we are still family, she wrote. I want members of our community to know that the behavior described does not match the character of the Keith I know. And so there you have it. You can believe or not believe. But if you're to follow the left, aren't you supposed to believe? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, let's go. Ready? Back to our man Raj, Vienna, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Thank you, Mark. All right, let's get right to it, big guy. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Very perceptive, 
getting to how they cover for themselves, and yet they keep on drilling this thing. The one question I have is a very serious one. For all these people who are trying to talk about obstruction of justice and all those things, there has been a gross miscarriage of justice caused by the prosecutor and the prosecutor's misconduct where they have bribed the witnesses with plea bargaining. They have misconstrued the evidences and they've built up a case with collusion amongst themselves and he has not recused himself knowing full well that he's chosen this whole battery of attorneys. They should all lose their licenses. They're supposed to be officers of the court. They have supposed to be taken pledges to uphold the Constitution. And they've been guilty of all this. How will we get rid? The question is, how will we get rid of this deep state when it's so deeply entrenched in the whole system? I don't know that we can. What do you think of that? I believe that God has his view. Every, everybody, well, I know. But God expects his, his children to do something about it. Amen. There, there, there's, there's many places in the world where there's injustice. But people have to stand up to it and so forth. So the question is, the question we take on here almost every day is, has the civil society been devoured by the uh, status progressives, or so much of it, that we cannot um, overcome it. I don't know. I don't want to believe it. So we fight on. But people ask a simple question. They expect a simple answer. There is no simple answer. The standing and what, uh, for example, Tom Fitton and those people have done, uh, could they not have, in fact, we the people have got to rise up and demand this because it is the trust we placed in them as officers of the court, as officers of the government and of the Department of Justice. And so maybe we've got to work on that. And if we had Work on what? Going to the very courts that approve the FISA applications? What do you want to work on? No, the, really, the, the only substantive way to get back is through Convention of States. And... You know, I, I listen to some of these Republicans in some of these states who should know better, and they say things like, well, I'm not exactly against it, but I'm not all that excited for it. And, you know, some of the ideas are pretty good. But, you know, even states, you can't necessarily have a balanced budget. And what's this stuff about legislatures and maybe Congress overruling the Supreme Court? That's not a good idea. So you get this constantly. And so it's not enough for people to call radio shows and tell everybody what somebody else ought to do or what they ought to do. People need to get engaged. And I, on my, my career on the radio, I've pointed out campaigns people can get involved in. We've uh, uh, talked about the Tea Party movement over the years and gotten involved in that. We now have Convention of States. We want people to get involved in that. Short of that, that's all I can do. I liked your idea about the school boards and at every level for all the people to do a surge in this coming election. Yeah, I mean, I when I was 19, as you know, I ran for the school board. I got elected. When I was 20, I served on the school board. These are things people can do all over the country. There's a gentleman in, in the county that I live in 
uh, who heard me talk about that one day, and he got involved in the primary process, and he won, and he got elected, and he's sitting on the school board today. But the vast majority of people want other people to save the republic for them. Meanwhile, we have millions and millions of people rising up on the left who are very dangerous, uh, uh, most of them winning, some unwitting, who are very active. When you look at the vote that took place in that 12th district of Ohio, where 87% of the Democrats turned out and 40% of the Republicans, I am disgusted. I am disgusted. You have people in this country who are breaking their backs to present the left from devouring this country. And all you have to do is get off your ass and vote, and you still can't do that. All right, Raj, thank you for your call, my friend. Let us continue here. All right, let's go to Chris, Lafayette, California, the great KSFO. Go. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. It's an honor. Um, so, Right on, right on, right on. Uh, Peter Strzok, a man uh, who should have been fired many, many moons ago. Obviously, uh, my question, Peter Strzok, uh, oh, yeah, right. should have been fired long, long ago. My question okay. to you is, um, do you believe that now that he has officially been fired, that the Mueller probe, that that is like a possibility that it will end quicker because of this new development? Do you think no, that? I don't think one point? has anything to do with the other. No. I don't think Mueller is sitting around and saying, geez, if they fire Strzok, I better hurry up and finish my case. Such as it is. Why would one be connected to the other? Well, I just thought maybe uh, Mueller would say, you know, see, Comey fired, McCabe fired, Strzok fired, you know, this whole cabal kind of, you know, it's kind of all these people are now um, at least facing some sort of consequence that he might say, hey, you know, Peter Schock was one of the lead investigators on my team as well. Maybe I should, you know, I'm just hope, hoping that, you know. Ron- I, I just don't see him anywhere near that. I see a guy who would say, well, Strzok started it, but we got rid of him. Uh, and now uh, we continue to do it. We continue to do it. I just don't see any connection with any of this. Uh, uh, I was just hoping that maybe. Uh, Stop hoping. This is a brass knuckle battle. <laughs> and the fact that Stroke is fired has absolutely nothing to do with what Mueller wants to do or uh, his motivation or his attitude. Mueller wants to take down a sitting president. Why would he stop now? Because Stroke's fired. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, well, thank All you right. for taking my question. And, uh, All right, I'm buddy. What's that? University. Yeah, thank you. you I didn't hear uh, you. You're what? I said uh, I'm a proud student uh, at Liberty University. I'm be heading there this uh, fall. Uh, That's so wonderful. That. Wonderful. I, I, for some reason, I think uh, president of that university, I knew his father well. He was a very, very good man, and we were quite friendly. He doesn't like me for some reason. I don't know why. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. It doesn't matter. Some people like me, some people don't. Jim Rollins, Wyoming, Sirius Satellite, go. Hey, thank you, Mark. It's a privilege. Thank uh, you. You know, regarding this Emerosa thing, you know, ultimately, what is she? You know, she's the flavor of the week. Just like Stormy Daniels was the flavor of the week, there's going to be a lot of brouhaha, and then it's going to be gone, and then the chefs are going to come up with a new dish. And it's not going to ultimately, in the long run, it's not going to mean anything. It's not going to mean anything. It has no effect on me. It has no effect on my associates or so many people that I know. Yeah, but, but, that, it, course, but it does have an effect on some people, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, but the only effect, the only people that's going to even have the effect on are those who stay glued to CNN. It's not going to have that effect. It's not, it's not only on CNN. It's everywhere. 
Well, get let it be everywhere. You know? Well, it is. I can, it's not a matter of me letting it or not letting it. See, sir, here's the point. You're a Trump supporter, correct? Well, what the point is, is that it doesn't I'm matter. asking you, you're a Trump supporter, correct? Yes. Now there's I a lot. There's a lot of people who aren't sure. And when they get this daily drumbeat, there's a reason they're getting a daily drumbeat, because there are people trying to wear them down. And in some cases, it works. And I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that comes to the microphone and says, gee willikers, we're going to win no matter what, no matter what the polls show, no matter what the elections are. Look at this, we're winning nine out of ten. Look, gee willikers, it's great. It's like a military battle. you got to fight like you're behind. you got to fight like, uh, like you don't want casualties. you got to fight to defeat the enemy. So the answer to your question is, yes, it makes a difference. Everything they're doing makes a difference. And we got to step up and fight it every step of the way and not go to bed at night and just think this is all nonsense. It's nonsense, but it has an effect. Thank you. We'll be right back. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. It's the middle of the night and you're tossing and turning and you're covered in sweat. You could run the AC or a fan to try and keep cool. Or you can get rid of your heat-trapping mattress and sleep as cool as the other side of the pillow, like I do, on a Casper mattress. All Casper mattresses use premium foams that relieve pressure and help align your body. So you fall asleep feeling comfortable and awake, feeling refreshed. And thanks to the breathable material, you're guaranteed to sleep coolly all summer long. Casper ships for free in a box so small, you won't even believe it holds a mattress. That's so you can try it risk-free for 100 nights. Just take your existing mattress, as I tell. Lean it up against the wall and try the Casper. If you don't love yours, they'll come pick it up, refund you everything. You've lost nothing. Sleep cool and comfortably every night. Get a Casper. Try yours for 100 nights with free shipping and returns. Let me tell you, Casper.com has not only revolutionized mattresses, it has revolutionized service, customer service. That's why so many of you love it. But the rest of you, you ought to get on board. Go to Casper.com, use code MARK for $50 towards the purchase of select mattresses. That's Casper.com, code MARK. Casper.com, code mark. Terms and conditions apply. Well, there's a Gallup poll out, ladies and gentlemen. 47% of Democrats view capitalism favorably, down from 56% in 2016. But it's worse. Positive view of capitalism among Democrats and those who lean Democrat, 47%. Positive view of socialism by Democrats and those who lean Democrat. 57%. Almost 6 out of 10. Republicans, positive view of capitalism, 71%. That's been consistent over the last decade. Positive view of socialism, 16%. Positive view of capitalism, 71%. Positive view of socialism, 16%. So, a majority of Democrats and those who lean Democrat have a favorable view, a significant 57% of socialism, and less than a majority have a positive view of capitalism. 
So it's becoming increasingly clear that the Democrat Party is fundamentally changing as it fundamentally transforms America. More and more people who are on the taker side of the ledger, who are the beneficiaries of redistribution of wealth, that is the stealing of wealth from an individual by the government and giving it to another individual, know to register as Democrats. At the same time, the same time, the elites, the elites, more and more, very, very wealthy, feel the same way. So you have what is relatively consistent with the Democrat Party over the decades. You know what this, you know, socialism is a modern form of feudalism. It's just bigger and more centralized. Socialism is a modern form of feudalism. It's just bigger and more centralized. And so we're losing the country. A political party that is hostile to American values. Their leaders, when you listen to them, when you listen to them, Kamala Harris, uh, Hillary Clinton, Chuck Schumer, Bernie Sanders, and the list goes on and on and on. When you listen to them, you can hear their dripping contempt for capitalism and even more broadly, Americanism. And the numbers show that more and more of their followers feel the same way. It's when I wrote this book, Liberty and Tyranny. Tyranny always exists in one form or another to one degree or another. Liberty is always threatened by tyranny. One of the puzzles that we haven't been able to figure out is how do we stop tyranny from using liberty to destroy liberty? Perfect example. You see you have a right to associate, a right to free speech, Antifa, is very, very violent. And so they use the freedom that is uh, mentioned in the Declaration of Independence broadly and codified, if you will, or manifests itself in the Constitution, the First Amendment, to try and destroy the republic. You have politicians who do the same thing. And there's a lot of reasons for this. It's getting increasingly complicated and overwhelming, but academia is one of the major reasons. Immigration, we're not allowed to select people anymore based on their attitudes or beliefs in our, in our capitalist system, in our declaration. If you, do, if you say that ought to happen, then you're accused of being a racist, like Laura Ingram, which is an outrageous smear of her and anyone else. You're thrown in with the white supremacists, And all you're doing is defending liberty and the republic and a constitutional system that benefits everybody who's here regardless of what their skin color is or anything else for that matter. So we have this this growing combination of recipients, which uh, is a broader, broader list of people with a broader, broader list of programs, and uh, wealthy elites 
who do not live among, quote-unquote, the people and are, are very left in their mindset. Well, you might say, but they're rich. We've had this discussion. They're rich. Why would they feel this way? They made money. Well, some have inherited it, but you're right. And the reason is they figure they'll always be the top 1%, and they figure they'll always be in control one way or another. There always has to be a top 1%, and they'll be in there. Or they'll fly off and go somewhere else. But whatever the reason, it almost doesn't matter. They have to be defeated. I, we have this discussion all the time. There are people out there that's, who say we have to have a civil debate. I'm not opposed to a civil debate, but it doesn't begin and end there. It's crucial, debating over ideas. But do you think Antifa wants to debate? you think Black Lives Matter want to debate? Is there anything you can say to Maxine Waters or Kamala Harris or Chuck Schumer that would convince them that they're wrong or to have an open mind? Anything? No. Nothing. How about the people who run La Raza? Is there anything you can say to them? No. Nothing. And so while you want to engage people who are capable of being engaged, and you want to debate ideas because ideas are, are absolutely crucial, that's not enough. That's like having a military with a, an infantry and no Navy and no Air Force. But this is a battle of ideas. And we're losing them. And I'll tell you why. Because the left controls our institutions. They control the media. They control academia. And they control entertainment. And in that way, they control the culture. And the culture is where the country goes. Politics is an offshoot. The culture is where the country goes. And so when people hear day in and day out that you're going to free stuff, that somebody's ripping them off, all they need to do is pay a little bit more. It's not fair. It's unequal. We believe in, in, uh, uh, in income justice. We believe in social justice. And football players and other iconic figures, figures are taking knees at the inappropriate time. And they're the ones who are the victims. They're the ones who are to be celebrated. Not the men and women who go off to the military. Not the cops in blue. No, no, no you wind up with a mess. Socialism does not create wealth. Socialism creates more government, more authoritarianism. Socialism is about taking wealth and redistributing it. Politicians who we say we detest become increasingly more powerful. Bureaucrats who we say are too numerous become more numerous. The private sector shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. Then basic needs and provisions can't be provided. Let alone new innovations and technologies, life-saving drugs, better food, more available to more and more people. They disappear. Like in Venezuela. I saw some left-wing professor on Tucker's show during the break. It's going on and on. He says elderly people like socialism. You have single-payer health care and Medicare, and you have a guaranteed universal income and Social Security. 
He reveals himself, you see. Because the way these programs were sold to all of the elderly in this country, my parents, many of you out there, is that these were insurance programs that you contributed to, right? And you contributed a hell of a lot to both of them. So they stole the money. And so now some young punk adjunct professor goes on and on and tells you that's socialism. Or they'll tell you, well, the veterans, they like the VA, most of them. That's socialism. What he doesn't tell you is, these are little pockets in some cases of socialism or socialism light. If you had systemic socialism in this country, it would collapse. Everybody can't have Social Security. Everybody can't have Medicare. It's just an impossibility if you can add, if you took third grade mathematics. I think we called it arithmetic back then. But more and more politicians, phony scholars, phony professors, uh, Hollywood knuckleheads are out there telling you that you can have something for nothing. And people start to believe it. Parents and grandparents start to believe it as they destroy any future their children, grandchildren, or generations yet born will have. They destroy it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, I sent a note from our friends at Filterby from a new customer. Customer said, I've been in the middle of a home renovation. There's drywall dust everywhere. Plus, the contractors are leaving the doors open, and it's been over 100 degrees many days this summer. And last weekend, my AC unit stopped working on the second floor. It turns out that the filters were about 98% clogged with drywall dust, and it was choking the system. Buying filters was always a pain because my assistant needed custom sizes. But with FilterBuy, they're able to get me exactly what I needed, fast and at a great price. Why? They have over 600 types, and they will customize yours if necessary. And he writes, thank you for advertising with Mark Levin, and I second that. You know, because of stories like this, FilterBuy is America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. Choose from over 600 sizes, as I said, and they ship for free within 24 hours, and they're manufactured in the United States. Save 5% when you subscribe for auto replacement like we at the Live-In household do. Save time, save money, breathe better, and filterby.com. That's where you need to go. That's filterbuy.com, filterby.com, and tell them Mark sent you. Now, we have a Harvard professor who's calling for academic blacklisting of Trump administration members. I found this at the Daily Wire, and they cite uh, the Boston Globe. In an op-ed for the Boston Globe, remember the Boston Globe, the one that's organizing uh, editorials against the president? Dana Roderick, professor of international political economy at Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government, calls for what is effectively an academic blacklisting of members of the Trump administration who, Roderick contends, should be prohibited from receiving even a semblance of honor or recognition, quote-unquote, from the gatekeepers of higher learning. He writes, 
Universities should uphold both free inquiry and the values of liberal democracy. The first calls for an unhindered exchange and interaction with Trumpist views. The second requires that the engagement be carefully calibrated with not even a semblance of honor or recognition bestowed on those serving an administration that so grossly violates liberal democratic norms. Mr. Producer, you know what I'm going to tell you to do? Get a hold of this guy, will you? See if he can... uh, Kind of bring him in slowly, like a fish, okay? Roderick's open call for academia to treat members of the Trump administration differently than members of all previous administrations follows outrage from academics over the University of Virginia Public Affairs Center appointment of Mark Short, Trump's former director of legislative affairs, to be a one-year senior fellow. Before that, Harvard appointed Trump campaign staffer Corey Lewandowski as a fellow at the university's Institute of Politics. Such appointments, Roderick argues, presents a serious dilemma to administrations due to the danger of normalizing and legitimizing what can only be described as an odious presidency. So, the fascist totalitarian mindset that is in so many ways modern academia We can have a debate as long as I don't consider you out of bounds. We can take Marxists. Oh, yes. We can take Democratic Socialists. We can take about just anything. But the Trumps, no, no, no. We can't take those people. The Trumpists is what they call us, I guess. Because it rhymes, I guess, with Marxist, which he may be. But I'm going to be very gentle, very Temperate, because I would like Danny Roderick, professor of international political economy at the Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government, uh, to appear on the program so we can have an honest discussion about this. So, Mr. Producer, just gently try and reel him in, will you? Academic blacklisting of Trump administration members. You know, if, if we were talking about communists, they would say, how dare you blacklist a communist? Those days are over. What are you, Joe McCarthy? But if you're blacklisting Trump administration officials, wow, that is really cool. That's a good thing. We can't have that. This is a stain on our institution, a stain on our democracy, a.k.a. republic. We can't have that. And he uses the word stain. The stain extends beyond political operatives and covers economic policy matters as well. Trump cabinet members and high-level appointees share collective responsibility for propping up a shameful presidency. They deserve opprobrium, not merely because they hold cranky views on, say, the trade deficit or economic relations with China, but also, and more importantly, because their continued service makes them fully complicit in Trump's behavior. Roderick defends what he describes as his call for defining clear rules of engagement. I wonder if he advises Antifa with members of the Trump administration by insisting that there is no conflict between encouraging free speech and exchange of views, which these rules are meant to support in the university making its own values clear. Well, of course there is. But I will bite my tongue once again. And we will do our best to secure the scheduled appearance of Nanny Roderick, professor of international political economy at Harvard University School of Government, so we can discuss this issue of... uh, of uh, academic blacklisting. What's the chances he comes on? Mr. Producer, I really hope you pull this. You pull this off, I'll give you. You you pull this off, I'll give you one additional vacation day. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Check out Levin TV tonight. It's great. And we always love you. God bless you. See you tomorrow.